Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast. We're back again from the Manchester Evening News talking all things Manchester City. My name is Joe Bray. Joining me for the first time in 2024 is Simon Bykowski. Si, how's it going? Happy New Year. Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's weird being back on remote, I have to say. It's sort of, uh, I don't think either of our Wi-Fis are the best, but we crack on anyway. Yes, how are you? Not too bad, yeah. Just, uh, I'm I'm quite glad that we've had a bit of a break between the fixtures and, and it felt like it was every, not even three days, every two or like there was something to do every day over Christmas and, and leading up to it. But now we've got a nice week or so before between games where we can uh, sit back and uh, we can also discuss transfers because we are, of course, in the January transfer window and uh, we've got plenty to discuss. City don't often do business or major business in January, but we're, we're expecting maybe a few uh, more exits than, than arrivals, let's say. Uh, so let's get stuck into some transfer business. The main question I think people will be asking about City is not whether Calvin Phillips will leave, but when he will leave and where he will go. So it seems like a matter of time, doesn't it? And it feels like every nail is in the coffin. We were discussing on the podcast when we did it on Wednesday that he might not even play against Huddersfield because you don't want to injure him or or cup tie him. And that's sort of like the ultimate humiliation really, isn't it? And just compounds the situation he finds himself in. Yeah, although um, I suppose Juventus won't have to bo- worry about the FA Cup. Um, yeah, it, it's it's dragged on for ages, Phillips, and it's been clear for ages that he wasn't going to get into the team. And Pep's made that probably more clear than he's made clear any other kind of signing or decision that he's made when he said he just can't visualise him in his team. Um, yeah, I mean, I've sort of you know, maintained for a while that Phillips should have should have a move lined up for the first of January or on the fifth and he's still <laughs> still here, which perhaps reflects the reality that um although he is a very good player and uh will probably get a very good move, it's quite difficult to sort of line something up um and get something over the line quickly. Um but every day that he doesn't move is probably a day where he's not playing football. Um, so it's in his interest to to move, but equally City aren't a, aren't a charity. You know, it probably doesn't matter to them whether he goes or not. Um, you know, as Pep has said and others have said, he, he's kind of exemplary in the dressing room. Everyone loves him and he's quite happy for him to be around. So if he wants to move, which we think he does, then it's it, it's kind of on on him and to get a club to sort of meet City's um, terms, which will not be kind of take this player for free. You would imagine that there is a club out there because we see how he plays for England. If he's got a good defensive midfield midfielder next to him, and that is a system that a team plays, he can be very good. And we saw it at Leeds, we've seen it for England. Guardiola said he's better when there's chaos, which was another damning statement uh, for his City career because Guardiola uh, obviously does not like chaos. He prefers the control. But yeah, you you would set, think that there's someone in the Premier League maybe chasing a European spot. Juventus seems like it could be a an option where he just takes himself out of the Premier League and reinvents himself almost. It's not the end of his career this this eighteen months at, at City, is it? He's he's still got the the capability of 
playing regularly, making that England squad and sort of resurrecting what's happened at City. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly with um, with Southgate, he's got so much credit in the bank that you would think mm-hmm. that if he gets any kind of half-decent moves and plays half-decently, then he'll be in the squad for the Euros. But like I say, the longer it goes on. And um, yeah, I mean, Juventus are interested. Um, but I guess that is more... Uh, Juventus feels like, I don't know, maybe more of a um, a better deal in the long run, but it is more of a risk moving to another league and, you know, he's got young families, just had a baby, I think in the last week or, or so. So that maybe has to be factored into it as well. Um, there is Premier League interest. I mean, Newcastle have taken a look for, for a while alone for Newcastle, you would think would make sense while they've got a very expensive midfielder that they signed unavailable for, for, uh, for betting issues. Um, so, but again, Newcastle will not kind of, you know, will want to negotiate a a deal if they are to do to do a loan. Um, but it, yeah, it, it just kind of like you say, it, it it does seem a case of when he will leave rather than whether. Um, but clubs are a bit jumpy at the minute about you know financial fair play and and everything like that. I think the Juventus sporting director has already been on saying, you know, they've not really got. They can't really see things happening in the the current uh, their situation. So there's you know the the brinksmanship has has begun, and um, and City will kind of play their part in it. Um, so the emphasis is on is on Phillips and his his camp really to um, to get a a move that works for him. But like you say, that it shouldn't be too difficult to get. Um, get one because he is still a very good player and he um, he has kind of lots that he can offer I wonder if the sort of a, the longer term is playing a factor as well so it might not just be a six month loan it might be a loan with a an option to buy and do teams want to commit to that or do they want to wait and see what what happens does he get in the squad and if it is Newcastle then another factor is that City play Newcastle next week and you know what what goes on there and and do we want to wait if it yeah as you mentioned he's just had a a new kid so maybe that's why he hasn't had a transfer lined up on uh on the 1st of January which is entirely understandable so I think it's going to be the one that sort of is the headline of City's transfer window isn't it it's it would be hard to see him stay in yeah and there's not going to be kind of a more senior arrival I mean I think from what my I've been off for a few days but my understanding is that kind of city would um be open to a sale this this month if the right offer came in um but it's what would that kind of what would that reasonable offer look like because i can't see city wanting to accept much less than than what they paid for him um so again whether any club really wants to nail the colors to the mast and say yeah we're paying 40 million for for Phillips and then like you say you know if if not a sale then loan with an obligation to buy would be next best for City and then loan with an option to buy is probably the um the most realistic option um however as I've said I think City would be you know will be happy for him to do what he wants but they will also be happy if he um he stays because he's still getting in the squad every week and taking up a place on 
on the bench and has got a few minutes, even if not loads. So, um, you know, although he's not really essential to the squad in any in any way, he's still kind of, he, he still has value at City. He's got that very important role of laying off the shots in the warm-up for the, the starting eleven to to have a go on goal, which is uh, can't be underestimated as well. Um, he's a 28-year-old England international as well. He's I know he's not had the best 18 months, but if we are talking transfer fees, then 40 million for, for that sort of profile and 18 months working under Guardiola seems seems fair, even if he's not, not been playing that much under under Pep. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But it's just whether, you know, any club wants to pay that money in January. I think most clubs would prefer yeah. not to do January business. And, you know, if you, it, it might have been a fair price for for Newcastle, say, if they hadn't whacked out even more on, you know, a central midfielder that can only train for them for uh, for most of the year. So it's every club has got to be, careful with the um the financial regulations and and there's a bit of yeah jitters about i would say about sticking to the rules and no one's quite sure um what's going on and what you know who will be picked up and and how and what the punishments will be and how strong the punishments will be so um whether you get anyone to commit to a sale i don't know um but if even if not, there should still be enough interest to um, to warrant a loan. And as and as much as Phillips has the right to choose which club, which of those clubs he wants to go to, at the same time, you think the sooner you get out, the the better for you. Even if it's not a an amazing loan, I don't think he needs that. I just think he kind of needs to show willing and do you know reasonable enough to to bank that place for the Euros because he has um, you know got so much kind of credit from Southgate and Southgate values playing regularly doesn't he it's not necessarily where you play his first charge goalkeeper is Everton who've been fighting relegation for the last three seasons so I think yeah it is a case of just getting out there that will be one to watch throughout January uh, Phillips will hope it's towards the beginning of January but it feels like it might be one that could drag on if uh, if other things get in the way um, are we looking at any other exits we've seen that Zach Steffen has left permanently. Uh, we sort of forgot he was on the books. He was injured over the summer, so couldn't get another loan move, said he wasn't going to come back. And now he's returned to the MLS, which isn't much of a surprise, especially given that Stefan Ortega has shown how he can sort of be a very good second goalkeeper. Is there anyone else, Sergio Gomez, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. Gomez has kind of been linked a few times with a, an ex. He's kind of come in as a, um, I sort of well, he was meant to go on loan in his first season and then ended up staying. But he's almost like the new Zinchenko, where City can say, "Oh, you can leave if you want," and he says, "No, no, I'll stay. No, I'll stay. I'll stay." Um, yeah, he's another that's not played very much and has you know good representation who can get him a move somewhere he's similar to Phillips for City that they would you know happily see him stay, but also if he wants to get more regular minutes, um. He could go. So it, yeah, again, it's kind of on on him. He had a very good summer at the uh, the under twenty one Euros, and then that hasn't really led to anything more. He's not really getting more minutes than he than he did last season, and he still kind of seems uh, he's not really taking his opportunities when they come to say 
I should be kind of pushing for more regular minutes. Um, so yeah, there's there's the possibility that he could he could go, but I don't think that he would be um, you know really missed too much by the fans if he if he did go because he's just not made that impact on the first team. It's it's tricky. He was brought in as a a left back who'd been converted from a winger under Vincent Company. Never really looked too good at left back. I remember at Southampton almost a year ago, he was awful for 45 minutes. And when he was subbed, the away end cheered his his sort of substitution because he was that bad. He didn't really get another look in at left back. And then, as you say, he's gone away with the Spain under-21s, got the golden boot by playing as a, as a right winger. And he's now in between those two positions. Pep likes Ake and Gavardiola at left back because they're more secure and offer more to the sort of fluid formation that they've got going in, in defence. Gomez can't do that. He's he must be about sixth or seventh choice on, on the wings when you, you factor in all those options of who can play out wide. You just can't see where he fits in in that team and he, he will probably play against Huddersfield on uh, on Sunday. But when else is he gonna gonna get any minutes? Yeah, and I think there's a danger of kind of, you know, ruling out anyone who's not first team regular starter quality kind of thing and say, oh, well, they don't need them. Because you do need those squad players mm-hmm. who come in for the odd game. Um, you know, I think some of the sort of, it, it feels like kind of obviously summer signings, Nunes is a lot more raw, but they've paid a lot more money from him for him from Wolves than they did for Kovacic like Kovacic started really well but then sort of tailed off a bit but he was only kind of 25 million from uh, Chelsea and it's not really like Kovacic was the Gundogan replacement so we shouldn't see him as the Gundogan replacement and if he can get a load of regular starts in the team then great but also you know if he is just a squad player who comes in uh, for certain games and comes off the bench then that is absolutely fine as well and if you know someone came in for Kovacic for example he would need to be replaced um so Gomez you know he's he's not at that Kovacic level by any stretch of the imagination but you know if he does stick around he will still get minutes and um you still never know who you're going to get in the FA Cup draws and when that's going to be I think the timing of the Huddersfield game means that it's probably going to be a a strong team but away from that and as City go for more and more uh, trophies and the game start coming thick and fast then he is still probably going to get minutes and be around a team who's going to win a lot I think he's he's useful to bring off the bench if you're winning 2 or 3 nil, and you can rest one of your other players and just try him out in a couple of different positions and he's he is fairly reliable when he comes on he doesn't make aside from that Southampton game he doesn't make too many mistakes so I think he's he is someone that if if he doesn't leave he's he's got that place in the squad and I, he feels like he's quite happy to to play that role and sort of be a, a cover player if you like and uh, I don't think he's the worst signing City have made as you say by by any stretch but um, if he did move and he did want to go and get regular football and maybe even lock down a, a position whether it's left back or on the wing wherever he plays it could maybe benefit him going forward in his career because he, he won't want to play that role as sort of City's backup for the rest of his career will he but uh, yeah maybe this season 
stay here, stay at City and and yeah, look for a, a move in the summer. It's it's an interesting one. I, I saw City um, said happy birthday to Angelino the other day and he feels like he's a step up on Angelino when you when you compare him to sort of the this revolving door of left backs that have, have come in, he's I would would you say he's he's sort of where where does he rank on those sort of substitute left backs that City have had? Yeah. Well he's similar in that he's kind of like a left back that was bought not quite for the first team, but Angelino yeah. probably played more first team games or bigger first team games. Um yeah. but equally he was gone within six months of of signing again so um it was kind of a lot a lot shorter um yeah like you say he needs to think about his career but he is still young enough that um it wouldn't necessarily do him any harm to to stay for another six months at at city but yeah he he would if he wanted to move i don't think anyone would begrudge him the move because you know he's he would be moving to kind of better himself as a footballer. I think I was looking at more so Calvin Phillips's minutes, and I think it's only in the three hundred mark this season. Uh, over, I think, I think it was Phillips has played more minutes but less games than Gomez. So Gomez has not even reached three hundred minutes, but he's played ten times. So it's it's sort of those last two or three minutes where you can't really make a an impact in a game or. You you play in the sort of the dead rubbers and it's it must be hard to to make an impact. So I think in the long term it will be interesting to see what what happens with Gomez and that sort of profile of player. We're, we're saying Phillips has to move to get game time and maybe Gomez should stay. So it's it's looking at everyone's situation, isn't it? We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on on all of those and any other moves that that happen in terms of incoming Sai, Can we? Uh, assume that Claudio Echeverri is coming in from River Plate yeah uh, and you can also assume that you'll hear very little of him for you know the next year or so Um, it's what two years since City signed Alvarez and he's um, come in and done very well Um, you know won an incredible haul of trophies and established himself in the side while injuries but he was still six months before uh, City brought him to Manchester. There was still he, he was still not kind of nailed on at the end of that season that they would bring him to Manchester, and he is significantly older than than Echeverri. Um You know, a, a, sort of the the comparisons are easy to make. Cause it's sort of a, a young Argentine kid again from from the same uh, club, but um, I think Alvarez was kind of already in an established Argentina international by the time he he came to City, whereas, and I, I think he's got maybe four or five years on on uh, on this new signing. So, you know, it's one of those where City will sign him and hope that it comes to fruition. Uh, but fruition might be coming to Manchester. It might be moving elsewhere in the City football group. It might be moving elsewhere in the City football group before coming to Manchester City. Um, he is essentially as talented as as he is. Um, still too young, and there's still too much uncertainty to know what is going on or what will happen in the future. So, City is signing him because they really like his potential, but we don't know where that potential will lead. 
and we saw last year they signed Maximo Peroni and brought him to City straight away and I think he made one appearance and now he's he seems to be doing okay in, in La Liga at Las Palmas but he's not it, there is a step up isn't there from from Argentina to City and I think Alvarez is an outlier in that in that he's clearly a very good world class player and it will probably take other players a little bit longer but it's is is that something to look for that three January windows in a in a row City have gone to Argentina and signed a young player and looked more towards the future rather than than right now is that is that a sign that the City football group is is sort of laying down uh, roots in in Argentina and South America and and starting to identify top class players yeah I mean they they laid down kind of the foundations and extended their operations in South America a long time ago um, is maybe a sign of the, mm-hmm. the, of, you know, that long time paying off in the same way that kind of the academy building or training ground is now kind of coming up to 10 years and, and it took a while, but the academy for the last four or five years has, has produced considerable talent. Um, you know, it is part of the, part of the strategy is, you know, you look back to 2008 when City signed Rubinho and it was a big signing, but it was signing a South American from a European club, Sergio Aguero, the same. Like Sergio Aguero turned out to be amazing player and amazing value, but the whole thinking from City has been, if we can sign these kids and make City the first European stop for them, then it'll be a lot cheaper. They, they bought Alvarez for 14 million and what would it be worth now? 80, 100? Um more more than that even. So, you know, City have made six, seven times their money back on Alvarez, which is a phenomenal investment. And if you've had that success in that market, then maybe you go back again and maybe City can buy, you know, a, a young Argentine player for the next six January windows for anywhere between 10 and 30 million. And only one of them needs to um, come off for them to be in in credit again, really. Um, but it's not like the others will be write-offs. So, you know, they they sort of investing what they see as, as smart money into talents who can then either have a role to play at City or go on to make them more than, than they've paid in... Uh, in a very good career elsewhere. And they've got a very good record of that, haven't they? Even if a, a player never comes to City, they'll still make a lot of money and put a sell-on clause and it's it's sort of funded the money that City have spent themselves in, in recent years as well. So um, I get there's always loads of excitement about these sort of exciting young South American players, but the reality is maybe we won't always see them and it's it's always weighing up like, where are they going to fall? Are they going to be the the one that sort of breaks the mold and does a Julian Alves and come and comes and plays and scores loads of goals, or are they just going to be another City Football Group player? But it'll be it'll be one to watch. And aside from that, we're not really expecting any other incomings. Is that right? Yeah, um, it's funny because kind of maybe four weeks ago, or maybe as late as four weeks ago, it it was kind of felt like the squad was thin and the midfield wasn't really working and maybe more bodies would be needed with all the injuries that they had and now kind of the 
they're back and um, De Bruyne and Haaland and Doku are coming back and things suddenly look all all rosy again. I think, you know, City won the treble last season with a squad of a similar size, but nobody got injured at, you know, a key time. I think they they lost Ake for for a few months towards the back end of the season, but um, Akanji covered really well and there was Walker as well. So, you know, to go into the Champions League final with a fully fit squad to choose from was was an exceptional achievement and was also a bit of luck and you need a bit of luck um, if you're going to have everything go your or make everything go your way. So I think it's one of those where there's every chance that City get a few injuries in the second half of the season and it, it costs them or is costly to them in their pursuit of trophies. But the trade-off is... Guardiola would still always want that and have a smaller squad than have a bigger squad and have to disappoint more people every week. Um, and we've we've just talked about Gomez and Phillips not being being able to get in this small squad. So if you added more players to that, it'd be more disappointment. I think that's a good place to end part one because when we come back, we'll talk about the return of those injured players and uh, what it could mean going forward and for the FA Cup game against Huddersfield. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Very good news this week. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is back. He was back against Sheffield United, but didn't make the pitch. Um, We have seen this week that Doku and Haaland are back in training. Whether they play against Huddersfield remains to be seen. Guardiola, I think, with Doku especially, is going to just wait and see and manage those injuries. And do you bring back a player ahead of schedule for an FA Cup game against a team at the bottom of the Championship? Probably not, but also it's an opportunity maybe to to ease them back in. Instead of talking about will they play, Si, we were talking, myself and Tyrone, on Wednesday. How are City going to sort of line up, do you reckon, when De Bruyne and Haaland are back in? Because you would assume, and we both did when we were talking about this, that Haaland and De Bruyne will walk back into their favoured positions at 9 and 10. In that same position, you've got Foden and... Alvarez playing very well at the moment how would you if you were Pep Guardiola manage that situation and keep Foden and Alvarez in the form that they're playing but also accepting that they're probably not going to be able to play in their preferred position yeah I mean it's tricky but when Alvarez signed for City when he came to City he knew that Erling Haaland was there and he knew that if Erling Haaland was fit, there was a very good chance that he wouldn't start in his favoured position. So that is pretty simple. Erling Haaland is fit. Erling Haaland returns to um, the, the the striker's role as the number nine. Um, De Bruyne, it's a bit more complicated. And Alvarez having replaced De Bruyne means that, um, you know, he's, he's in that equation. Um we haven't really seen anything of Alvarez out wide since he came. Um, I think there was a bit of sort of talk when he when he first arrived that he could play on the right wing maybe, but he just hasn't perhaps preferred him in the middle. Um, so maybe if you're talking Alvarez v Foden, then Alvarez stays in the middle because Foden is kind of more versatile um, and Foden can push out wide. But I, I think a, a lot of... Um, a lot of people are very keen to see Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne in the middle. 
and there's a chance that it's um, too aggressive or uh, too sort of fast, basically, for um, for City to retain their their control of the ball and you know know their their tempo for going through the game. But I think Foden and De Bruyne with Grealish and Bernardo Silva out wide and Bernardo kind of dropping in um, back alongside Rodri when needed, you know, might be able to um, to provide the the cover that that gets on top of kind of Foden learning more of what the the role entails. Um, you know, Foden has probably been at his best in the De Bruyne role in recent weeks with with Alvarez up front. Um, but he's probably still a better option as a kind of number eight than than Alvarez is at the minute with the form that he's in and he's been playing it all, you know, most of the season. So I, I think if this season has kind of taught us anything, it's kind of not to get too bogged down in what um, what we haven't seen before in the sense of, you know, Foden and De Bruyne on paper seems like too attacking to be in the middle. Uh, but so does Foden and Alvarez really. And City have played mm-hmm. that midfield for for most of the year, and they're in what third place, five off top spot with with all the issues that they've had. Um, so Foden and De Bruyne are two of the best players in the league. Put them together, you know, it's a bit of Sven Goran Eriksson just slap all your best players in in the team. But I I think that Foden and De Bruyne is a, a midfield pairing that a lot of people want to see and really want to see given the chance to make it work. Um, and that isn't to say that Alvarez won't play a lot of games because he will, but also he's already played a lot of games. He's played um, a lot more games than he did last year, starting a lot more games. So if he were to, you know, play fewer games now that Erling Haaland is fully fit and De Bruyne is fully fit, then I don't think he um, would sort of, I don't think he could say that he hadn't seen it coming. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to get himself into better form than, than Foden or Silva or Grealish or Doku, then he's still got every right to do that. But he's probably more limited than Foden because he's not kind of seen as a player that can play on the wing. It's interesting because myself and Tyrone had this exact conversation, but maybe we all came to different uh, solutions and you've mentioned probably a different way of looking at it as well in the Foden and De Bruyne in the centre I was saying well you can shift De Bruyne out wide uh, Foden out wide sorry and have him coming in as that second number 10 but maybe against the bigger teams you can't rely on Kyle Walker to give you that width and there, there are lots of options but every single option seems to rely on Alvarez dropping out as well and as you say he's played a lot of football he's probably not had a real break more than two or three weeks since January 2022 when he was when he signed for City and spent the rest of the season at at River Plate so if his role for the rest of the season is to come on and ease the pressure on Erling Haaland you don't have to play Haaland for 90 minutes every week because you know you've got a, a very good player who can come on and score that third or fourth goal to kill off the game as well I think that might be his his sort of position because I don't think he's getting into that number 10 position ahead of De Bruyne when he returns and probably even Foden given the way that Foden's played in the last four or five games so it's going to be a tricky one and I think there's 
too many players for the positions to to keep everyone happy. So it might be Alvarez that drops out, but they probably have a chance you would expect against Huddersfield to to continue for one last game. Alvarez up top and and Foden as number ten because I I can't see De Bruyne starting. I think he did Pep didn't want to play him at all against Sheffield United and he warmed up for 20 minutes and raised the roof at the Etihad but Pep said after the game he was never ever going to to bring him on he just wanted to give him that feeling of a, a match day squad again you can see him taking a similar approach with with Haaland and probably Doku as well if if Doku's fit enough do you think you, you mentioned earlier you think it's going to be a, a strong squad against Huddersfield do you think it's a sort of one last dance for Foden and, and Alvarez um, I mean, the the thing is as well, like you mentioned De Bruyne not being uh, fit to come on against mm-hmm. Sheffield United. And we, we, how many times this season have we talked about how John Stones' return will impact the team? And then he's mm-hmm. come back for one, two, three games and been injured again. It would be lovely if Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland and Jeremy Doku stayed fit for the rest of the season. It would give Guardiola welcome headaches every week. But if you're someone like Alvarez as well, you you know that you're one injury away from being almost guaranteed starter in the team. And Haaland has had an exceptional injury record in his first year at City. Not quite as good this year. And there's no guarantees that he will play every game of the season unscathed from now until from now until June. Same with De Bruyne. Two big injuries, you know, doing the same the same thing that um, happened to him in, in June and then August. So it, it's great that these players are back. There are absolutely zero guarantees that they will stay back, as we've seen with with John Stones. So I, I think City's calendar in January means that Guardiola will kind of... The way he is, he'll need to go strong against Huddersfield because this is the only game between now and playing Newcastle away next Saturday at St. James's Park, which is a really big game um, in the title race. It, you know, everyone going to St. James's Park has been big. Liverpool going there, mm-hmm. going a man down, two late, late goals to um, to win the game. Arsenal, all that controversy, losing 1-0. St. James's Park is really tough to go to. City found that out last year again when they um they ended up coming back from three one down to to draw three all. So Kevin De Bruyne we know needs minutes, needs rhythm, needs game time. If Guardiola wants to play him at Newcastle, he can't just rely on kind of training sessions really. He's got to give him some game time. Haaland really could do with minutes and game time before um, before Newcastle so the, the question is do you start them and give them 60 and take them off and, or take them off at half time or do you bring them off off the bench um, but I, I don't think there's I mean it will depend on what exactly how fit they are but um, I feel like Guardiola has to be thinking about giving considerable minutes to De Bruyne and, and Hartland against Huddersfield if he wants them to have any kind of impact against Newcastle, which he will. I think is this game as well, yes, they have to go strong for the momentum that will go to, go up to Newcastle and they've already lost at Newcastle this season, even though it was a, a much changed side. But I think you can also strike a strong argument to give 
players like Kovacic and Nunes and Oscar Bob a start and if possible 90 minutes just to to show what they've learned so far at City and and what what they're going to do because I think Nunes over his last few appearances has looked good sort of carrying the ball forward he's he could really do with a goal because he he's missed some really presentable chances but he he could do with a, a 90 minutes to to show what he's how far he's come in the first six months of his City career. Oscar Bob came off the bench against Sheffield United and and looked good. And Guardiola said he wanted to start him, but decided against it. And then he plays that sort of pin eye through the needle pass for Foden to to get the all important second goal. And I think it's going to be a a mixed match team and maybe similar to the Red Star away lineup, maybe without Phillips. Oh, 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 oh. that is uh, that's a call. That's a shout. I can see, it. I can see Mike Hamilton starting and and using De Bruyne and and Haaland off the bench and sort of playing Kovacic, Nunes in midfield, Foden, Alvarez up top. I, I don't think that's a a crazy shout at all. No, it is not. But when you when you talk about those things like giving Oscar Bob ninety minutes, yeah. who would that benefit? Oscar Bob does it benefit mm-hmm. City beating Newcastle in a week's time? Probably not. Giving Nunes ninety minutes, who does that benefit? Well, Nunes mostly. Um, like I could, I could see it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Pep played his strongest team from the start against Huddersfield. As like this is the best way that we are going to beat Newcastle next week because you know the City will want to win the FA Cup again, but the Premier League still takes priority, and especially because it's four four Premier Leagues in a row is sort of running through that dressing room and um that is the the big the big target so i'd be i'd be very surprised to see um hamilton start for instance because i just think if it's a case of alvarez and harland then and you know maybe bringing doku back as well then pep is going to want to go go strong to make his to yeah to keep them gunning for Newcastle I'll give you Hamilton but I, w- I would say that if you <laughs> if you if you rest in say Bernardo and Grealish for example and Rodri you know what you're going to get from those players and a rest could do them good after a lot of games where they've had to but, come but in they just had a week's rest players. give them more that's they've, the thing played a lot of football <laughs> Pe- 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 always tells us how, how many uh, how many games they're playing and I think yeah yeah, yeah. But that, but I that's think the thing. Rodri if, especially is is one who plays a lot of football. If Huddersfield was coming three days after Sheffield United, then I think we'd have far more chance of seeing Bob and Hamilton and and those kind of players. But because they've they've just had a week off and have another full week before they play Newcastle, I think that shifts the the goalpost slightly. And maybe if um, you know if they win and play another championship team in the next round, then there's maybe more chance of a, of more changes. But I, I, yeah, I just feel with the way the calendar is, with what the calendar has thrown up, then uh, I could completely see Rodri starting. See, every, every game we do the, do our sort of predicted teams and how we think City should line up. And a lot of the time, it's ninety percent similar, isn't it? When when we go for the same teams, like, I can see uh, yeah. this one being very different 50. in two yeah. two completely different lineups. And uh, I mean, that sort of shows what what dilemma 
not really a dilemma, but the, the choices that Guardiola's got. And I suppose it will show where his priorities lie if if he goes strong or if he uh, makes a few changes. But I think I would assume we're both in agreement that City will beat Huddersfield comfortably. I mean, <laughs> they'll intend to, yeah. It's, uh, that they, they should beat Huddersfield comfortably. Um, but I suppose you, you never know in... Uh, in the FA Cup, but everything points towards um, a comfortable, comfortable win with Huddersfield. It's usually kind of the the teams who are at the top of the uh, lower divisions who do better against City in the FA Cup because they've got this kind of feeling and confidence, and um, you know they're not used to to losing, and and they've got this identity about them, whereas. Um, yeah, Huddersfield haven't had the best year in the championship so far. Um, so they, I don't think they'll be turning up expecting to get anything against City. Um, but it should be, I think it's a, a sellout. Um, again, I, people get weirdly excited about the third round. I know Aladdin <laughs> went um, a few years ago, City drew Rotherham at home, and he like absolutely loves the FA Cup third round because. It's a chance to see players that you don't normally see, and he and he went and um, it was it was twenty eighteen, so it was just after they beaten Liverpool in uh, in the that sort of two one game that defined the title. And Pep picked a stupidly strong team, and uh, I think they won seven nil. And this lad I know didn't even stay till the end because his <laughs> sort of joy at seeing all the potential next generation coming through was just wiped out um so yeah it championship teams can't expect to come to the etihad and get a get a result but guardiola will know that whatever team he picks needs to have that ruthless mentality if um if they want to be counted in his plans for games going forward i suppose that is uh nothing is it's in one sense it's a you can't really win but you can lose if if someone doesn't perform then you you could end up losing Pep's trust for a little bit so um there will be stuff to play for it's as you said I, I enjoyed the third round even though this is not one of the better ties uh, for, from a neutral perspective but it'll be a, a bigger away what, following. what are the better ties though <laughs> There's not, well, many, there's not there? many. There's not many lower league versus Premier League, but I'm, I'm looking forward to Newcastle no. Sunderland. Personally, I think I know you're looking yeah. forward to Wigan. That is w- the Wigan big, the big giant killing opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think there'll be any. Uh, well, I was going to say any um, United United signs going up in Wigan Wigan hospitality suites, but they've <laughs> uh, they give them the, the the biggest stand in the ground, so that's a. A warm welcome of sorts, anyway. Yeah, we might see an upset. United might win. You never know. Uh, <laughs> we will. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks, Sai. And uh, we'll be back next week after the FA Cup. We'll see how strong Guardiola did go. Uh, see which of us is right with our predictions on our, on uh, on the team. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, give us a like and subscribe wherever you find us. And uh, come back next week, and we'll uh, see if Calvin Phillips is still here, and if City are in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Oh no. (laughs) Makes me feel better about 49. Thanks, Seb.